welcome to the Building Bridges podcast, a platform for bettering LDS interfaith relationships. I'm your host, Taylor Niebergall. When it comes to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, having a faith crisis can sometimes create a rift in relationships between those who leave and those who stay. The goal of this podcast is to equip listeners on either side of that rift with the tools that they need to start building bridges, crossing chasms, and ultimately, healing relationships through mutual respect and understanding. Each episode will feature bold perspectives as we explore topics that can create these rifts, validate the struggles that they pose, and discuss tools you can use to literally bridge the gap. Let's get to building! Welcome to the Bridge Building Podcast. We've got my friend Ellie Martinez with us today. How are you, Ellie? I'm so good. Thank you. How are you? I'm excited to be talking to you. (laughs) Same. (laughs) So tell the audience how you and I met and how you got interested in the podcast. Yeah, so we met way back when, just when me and Ammon, my husband, we were little newlyweds and we moved to Logan and we met in the married ward up there. So that's been kind of fun. 2017? Yeah, I was going to say. It was at least four years ago. Yep. Yeah, pretty much just Facebook existed since then, but that's okay. I mean, it works. Well, tell us how so, you got interested in the podcast now. Um, I just saw your post about it. I saw your post on Facebook about you wanting stories, and it was literally like within the couple of months that I was going through everything I was spiritually And I was like, whoa, like, this is so cool that she just posted about that. And so I commented that I was interested and that's how I got hooked. I think it's a great idea. Thank you. I am excited too. And I know you said you've always wanted to do a podcast, so it's just. Yes, this is check mark off my bucket list. (laughs) Awesome. Well, on that note, why don't you tell us your little Cliff Notes version of your faith journey? Yeah, it's still, I mean, it's still fresh. It's, I'm really, really bad with time. So if I say it's been a few months, it could have been longer. (laughs) (laughs) But um, I will just say within this year is when I just started, you know, asking questions I have never allowed myself to ask before. I started realizing that I had a lot of questions that I couldn't find answers to, a lot of things I disagreed with and didn't know how like it just didn't settle right. And I was like, oh my gosh, like what's going on? So that's when I sat down and started talking with my husband one night and I was like, hey, like, do you know the answers to this? Like, have you ever thought about it? And that's when we both like opened up and he was like, wow. He like, yeah, I'm really relieved that I'm not the only one thinking this. And I thought I was alone. So it was kind of funny. Like I thought I was going to be you know, kind of just on my own, but little did I know we were on the same page the whole time and didn't even know it. So since then, I've just been trying to figure out my stuff and taking it one day at a time. What does that mean for you in terms of your worship experience right now? So I haven't been to church since COVID started. So once we were shut down, I have been like once or twice, but it just didn't feel the same. And I was like, I got to figure my stuff out before I can sit at church for two hours type of thing. So I just started 
listening to podcasts and trying to be better because I'm really bad at like focusing my thoughts. It's so hard for me to either meditate or like whatever people call it. It's, it's so hard for me. And so I've been really trying to focus on slowing my thoughts down, processing everything. And since the church has been a part of my life for such a long time, I've realized that I only have a relationship with the church because of God, which isn't a bad thing. Like that was a source of happiness, you know, but I don't know how to have God without the church. And I think for me, it's really important that I love God because of God and not solely because of a religion. And so for me, I'm trying to figure out how to do that and just kind of deconstruct and get down to the bare bones of my beliefs and my core to sum it up a little bit. Well, I think that was very eloquent. Good job. Oh, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Ellie actually approached me when I put a poll out on the bridge building Facebook page. I asked, what topics would you be interested in? And Ellie recommended this topic today. She said, I think it'd be great to talk about labels. So do you want to kind of introduce why you wanted to talk about that topic? Yeah, honestly, it's just something I've always been really passionate about. And maybe it's because I, you know, I was born and raised in Utah. And so there's just so many cultural labels that I didn't know were so toxic until I got older and started realizing that I hung on to all of these labels and I didn't need to. (laughs) So I think it was just my, you know, hard reality experiences of how harmful they can be. And I think that's kind of what got me on that topic is because it's something that I'm working out personally. And so it fascinates me. Okay. When you say you're working this out personally, do you mean that in regards to how people seem to show you that they're labeling you or how you are trying to notice the way you label others? Both, totally both. Because I know that I have always, because of the labels of inactive or even just, you know, you go to the work council meetings and people are put in these categories. And so I'm trying to not get caught up in the fact that you know, we don't need to put people in label, like we don't have to label them and put them in categories. And so I'm working on not judging and labeling people myself, but also when I started talking to different friends, I had various reactions. And I think the ones that hurt the most are when I realized like, wow, like our relationship was based off of me being a member And, you know, that was just like kind of a wake up call of like, whoa, like I didn't know people would take this so seriously and so deeply of something that they're not even going through, but it's for me. And so I think it's both that I've kind of noticed and wanted to work through. Fair enough. I'm sorry that you've had to go through friendship shallowness disassociation. I I made that term up on the spot, but I I just want to talk a little bit about why labeling can feel like a misrepresentation 
And, you know, to kind of get into the introduction of some of these things, when we label somebody, it's because we're trying to make sense of the world. And a lot of times labels come from one thing that is true. So it's accurate, but it's sometimes it's not totally accurate. And what I mean to say by that is it does not encompass a person as a whole. It's just a very small tidbit snapshot of their lives. And so that means that we're generalizing. And to generalize is to infer or form an opinion or conclusion from only a very few amount of facts or examples. And when we do that, we are not being active learners. We're being lazy perceivers and we're not getting the whole information. And that leads us to drawing incorrect conclusions. And I mean, people do this all the time just to simplify because it's natural. It's kind of our default. And like, even with my, my kid, (laughs) uh, we were watching a show and I'm like, oh yeah, those are the bad guys. Those are the bad dinosaurs, you know, and these are the good guys. And like the world isn't cut into good and bad, but it's an easy way for me to convey that to my child by putting this label of that's a bad guy, that's a good guy, even though the world is much more complex and that doesn't define you. So anyway, it's just, it's a very natural thing that we do and it derives from the desire to make sense of the world and to simplify things. So what are your thoughts on that? Oh, I totally agree. It's, yeah, I feel like we have to, you know, we have to teach to, when we're talking about kids or ourselves, like we have to, you know, we have to be nice to ourselves. We have to recognize that, you know, everyone has some type of trauma or hardship that they've lived through. And we don't get a therapist along with, you know, (laughs) food, you know, we can't just like, you know, have a therapist all the time. And so, we have to just be nice to ourselves and realize like, okay, some things I need to unlearn and that's okay. Some things are good and I keep those, but like, you know, speaking of our kids, I was at Hobby Lobby just tonight and I don't know where she has gotten it from, I guess just the movies. And, you know, this nice guy just walks by with some Christmas stuff in his basket. And my daughter goes, oh, mom, there's a bad guy. And I'm like, oh boy, like, how about let's not say that out loud? So it's, yeah, it's just totally a thing where we have to start small and then we slowly, you know, increase our knowledge as we get older. Oh, that's interesting. I wonder what it was that made her say that. I don't know. I was like, oh, this is awkward. Oh, well, (laughs) just one of those really fun parenting moments for you, I guess. Oh yeah. Yeah. Just one of those grand moments in the store. Well, I want to talk about stereotypes. All stereotypes, just like seeing labels, it it stems from us recognizing patterns and trying to make sense of what we see. But I think the danger in doing that in stereotyping is it becomes harmful when you try and like put a person into a tight fitting box that it prevents you from seeing them as having other characteristics, you know? And it's funny because even like in my intro to this podcast, I label myself. I like, I'm trying to introduce myself. So what do I do? Well, I simplify. And so I give labels and I'm like, I am a mother. I am a wife. I am a music therapist. All of these things are labels that are going to give you an impression of who I am based on the stereotypes that you hold. And they may or may not be accurate, but as soon as I start describing myself, 
you are going to form a picture of me in your mind that are based on the stereotypes that you already hold. Totally. Honestly, I think it's just hard to describe ourselves more fully. I don't think that we use the colorful and deep amount of language that like I see when I read Jane Austen. Like they just talk so eloquently and they use all these words and they say exactly what they mean. <laughs> like today we don't know how to use our language in a way that conveys exactly what we mean. So we're generalizing, we're leaning on labels, we're leaning on stereotypes, we're simplifying. And the whole depth and beauty of people is still a mystery because we don't know how to describe ourselves more accurately. Does that make sense? Oh, totally. No, I, yeah, I think it's, you know, as time goes on, we, you know, it's faster paced. The world is so different and it's, yeah, it's just a matter of us being like, yep, this is me in a nutshell. And I feel like because, you know, we have hard experiences, we've been hurt, we've been betrayed, you know, we all built up kind of a little wall. Like we don't really want to be this vulnerable person to everyone because, you don't know who you're talking to. And so, yeah, I think it's a tricky, it's a tricky balance, but I feel like that's the one thing that's nice, that can be nice in a religious community is hopefully it's a place where you can be vulnerable with people in your community. And I think that's what makes it beautiful. Oh, tell me what you mean about being vulnerable in terms of expressing who you are besides a label. Um, I feel like they're just intertwined because like how you were saying, if I feel like if we spent the time to really think about how we would describe ourselves, then, you know, we would be more open with people because we would have to describe ourselves more. We would have to say more than just the label. And I think once we opened up more, that's when the labels in our head and the stereotypes, we start to realize like, oh, like, yeah, they made a fit, they may have fit into this one stereotype, but they're also a deeper person than I gave them credit for at first type of thing. Mm, exactly. And isn't that a beautiful place to arrive at when you realize, oh, I might've had like an us versus them mentality, which we've talked about before on the podcast and yeah. clumped this person into this one label. And now I'm seeing that there's all this depth to them. And you're right. It only really comes when you are able to make a connection and have a vulnerable conversation. And tonight I was even listening to a book by Brene Brown, Daring mm. Greatly, if you've read that one. And she yep. was talking about the importance of having uncomfortable conversations. Um, and that's what it means in, in one sense or another to be vulnerable. And so when we're open and we can, and she's like, it's not about making these conversations comfortable. It's about sitting in the discomfort and being okay with uncomfortable conversations. Because yeah. if we're going to talk about stereotypes, we don't want to ignore it. Like the example is like, you don't say, I don't see color because then you're dis, dis, um, you're not seeing what it means for this person to be a black man in America, if you're saying, I don't see that you're black, then you're not allowing yourself to see what his experience is. And you're not allowing yourself to have conversations. You don't want to ignore that that might be a label. You want to be able to have 
an uncomfortable conversation surrounding the label. Just have that sort of conversation and say, I expect this to might not be the most comfortable conversation, but this is a stereotype. You're a black man and the stereotype is, you know, you're not as trustworthy or you don't make as much money or whatever, you know, and, and gay people, disabled people, gender roles that heck there's like stereotypes on dog people and cat people, like anything you can think of, there's a stereotype. And when we ignore it and say, I'm blind, I'm putting my blinders up to this label, then that's not fixing the problem. That's ignoring it. But when we say, okay, let's have the uncomfortable conversation, then you are being vulnerable. What I'm trying to say is it's important to acknowledge that these labels exist and not sweep them under the rug in a sense to confront or deal with them. If that makes sense. Oh yeah, def- yeah, definitely not. Because I feel like, you know, we we as people, we ourselves are not a label. We are, you know, I love the saying of we're a spiritual person having a human experience or however that goes. Like we are deep, beautiful spiritual beings, and the labels come from just like outside of us whether we're labeled a music person or like me, I'm always known as the horse girl. And it's like, that's okay. Like that's, that's a label. That is just something that describes me, but it doesn't tell the whole story, but it still describes me. You know what I mean? Exactly. It's just not encompassing. If you're only looking at a person with one small lens of like, this is the one thing, the one label, you're really doing yourself a disservice in getting to know that person as a whole. Yes, exactly. I saw this really beautiful video where people were grouped into their stereotypes and their little labels, and they actually went and stood in little boxes that I think were just drawn with chalk. And then it asked everybody, uh, whoever has been deeply in love, you know, step forward and they took a picture together, you know, and then they went back and whoever has, I think they had one, like whoever has beaten cancer you know, come step forward. Like these things that are human experiences, they don't pick and choose people from a label. Humanity is across all labels. And it was a really good illustration of seeing how we all have experiences and we all have trials. And I just love shared humanity. And when we label people, I think that takes away from the shared humanity. Yes, I totally agree. I love that video. That's beautiful. Oh, have you seen it too? I've seen, I think I've seen it and, but it was a while ago, but I feel like it sounds very familiar. I watched it earlier today to try and prep myself. (laughs) Oh, there you go. (laughs) Let's talk about how labels affect bridge building. How has labeling affected you in your faith transition? in relation to your experience? Yeah, I think it's just the way some people, they're they're so nervous for me. They're so scared that I'm going down this path of turmoil and losing all spirituality. And I'm like, what? Like, I don't know what gave you that impression. And so I think it's interesting to see that their fear 
is almost like they're labeling me as, you know, I've gone into this dark place and I lost God and I'm almost labeled as someone who doesn't even believe in God anymore. And I'm, it's so interesting to me that it's so drastic for some people. And I think that's what really got me interested in checking myself and making sure that I don't want to do this to someone if they ever came to me with my situation. Yeah. Yeah. Let's explore that a little bit. I think, and this is just my thoughts. I think what's going on is that a person sees Ellie is having questions. She hasn't been to church in a while. And instead of having a conversation with you that might be uncomfortable, they are seeing you through the label of lost or miserable or less active or wanting to sin. And that gives them this whole new view of you, whether it's accurate or not. It's the only thing they can focus on right now. And I think that that makes it so their fears play a bigger role and that kind of prevents them from letting their love play a bigger role, which is really what needs to be happening at this time for them. Um, But instead they are limiting love by leaning into fear. I think that that's what's happening and that is how it can negatively affect efforts in bridge building is like, I'm so consumed with this new label I've put on my friend that I only can see her in this way now. And I have like let every other thing about her fall by the wayside. Or I've grouped um, multiple negative things onto this one label. Like for instance, or you said that they don't even know if you believe in God anymore. And like, why would they be drawing that conclusion? You know, it's just, it's interesting because that doesn't really have anything to do with having questions or having struggles, but I think it's just a natural thing to kind of drastically, I don't know, drastically associate everything that they can with this one label, all the negative things and all the scary things. And that's not always the case. Definitely not. I agree. There are a couple of negative stereotypes It's not something that just applies to those who are going through a faith transition, but I think that there's also a lot of negative stereotypes and labels towards uh, people who stay active in the church. And so I'm going to read through some of them, and I want you to add to them if you have any thoughts. So for people who are having a faith transition, I think that this can be some of the negative stereotypes. They're lacking faith. They're lazy learners. They want to sin. They're lost. They're miserable. They're struggling. Or they're overly liberal and democratic. Those are just like (laughs) typical things that I've heard. They're like, oh, those people are like this. And I mean, sometimes it's true, but it isn't always true. And if you latch onto it and you start clumping things, you're going down a rabbit hole. Well, I like, I just think it's funny that it It's interesting. I think the most interesting thing to me is that it's so important for people to find a label. Like we get really nervous when someone doesn't fit in this label. It's like our brain just goes, oh my gosh, they don't fit anywhere. What do I do? This person must be just, I like them, but they don't fit in the box. Like what am I supposed to do with that? You know? And so I, 
I think it's really beautiful that I feel like this next generation and I hope in my daughter's generation and in your kid's generation like that it's normal to have such diversity and I just hope that becomes more normal because it's just so fascinating to me that we seek for labels we literally seek what and like and I'm talking more on like a negative context where we like seek to find where we can put them instead of just saying like oh like they have a really cool life story like oh okay like for some reason we they have to be labeled and I just think that's fascinating I agree you might be interested in hearing this analogy I recently read a book called Untamed by Glennon Doyle and oh she my God, said I'm reading that right now oh you did maybe you've read this part it was kind of towards the end so I don't know how far you are but she said that there are certain things about people that are fluid and labels are kind of these man-made constructs and so the labels are like a picture and trying to label people is trying to put this fluid into a container but that the fluid is meant to be fluid and be like an ocean and you can't fit it all into this small container a lot of things are fluid and but we want to simplify I don't know why we do but we were like we need to put this in a label we need to understand this that's probably why we do it it just it's simple that it helps us understand yeah and but I think it was interesting she even said like well when we do have this label and we don't quite fit then we say well what's wrong with me when in reality maybe it's just like well I was never meant to fit into this little construct that's been made in this in this box I don't fit here and that's okay. Yes, I love that. I love, yeah, I love the reversal of that of like, wait, if I don't fit anywhere, then, you know, where do I go? I think that, yeah, I love that. And it's really cool that people have like started trying to find new labels that fit them. Um, I mean, maybe it would be better to just undo labels altogether, but I think there's also a sense of like, this is my label and I'm, I'm proud of who I am. Like, I'm proud to be a Latina or I'm proud of blah, 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 you know, but people mm-hmm. will sometimes be like, well, this doesn't really fit me. And I think an example they had was the like LGBT that used to be just like LGBT, but now it's Q I A or whatever. Like there's so many different things because I think people are looking at, they're like, okay, well, this is kind of getting closer to how I feel, but it's not quite me. It's not quite my label. And so then they form a new label and say like, no, I'm like I, or I'm A, or I'm Q, or I'm queer, you know? And so they have to try and even amongst themselves, like they have to try and put themselves in a label. But why do we have to put ourselves in a label? <laughs> you know, that's just, it's interesting that we can't just be like, I'm a person. But right. Anyway. Yeah, it, the world is just too complicated, I guess, you know? <laughs> I suppose so like even saying that I'm like I'm not even sure what my point is but just that we seem to be driven to label ourselves and not just others yeah absolutely yeah it I feel like it's our way of helping the world understand us and you know it's like our it's like our short synopsis of this is who I am and if you want to get to know me more this is a brief synopsis of who I am and I hope you don't judge me for it but I hope you can talk to me more about it type of thing yeah Ellie do you watch The Office 
I have never watched the full, no, I have never watched it all the way. Okay, let me tell you about one scene where there is a IT guy that comes in and Michael wants to stereotype everybody and peg down their religion because Michael Scott is that kind of person. And so he asks the IT guy like, okay, well, what are you? And the IT guy has such an awesome response. I don't have it memorized, but he says something like, well, if you want to reduce my identity down to my religion, then I am a Sikh. But I also enjoy this band and this hobby and this sport. And so like, (laughs) it was just cool to say like, I acknowledge that you're seeing me as a label and I want to remind you that there's a lot more to me than that one thing that you're seeing. Cute. I love that. <laughs> okay, good. I just, I love The Office. It always seems to come to my mind for examples of anything. <laughs> hey, no, I just, I have never sat down to watch it. So I should be more informed. I need to actually do it. Well, it's, um, takes a special kind of person to love it, I think, but I am that person and I love it. So if you don't love it, that's fine. See, that's like another way I could label myself. Like I'm a big Harry Potter fan. I'm a big fan of The Office. And there you go. whoever is hearing me say that, they're going to form an opinion about me based off their experience with that book or with that show. So there you go. Anyway, I'm going to talk about the flip side of the negative stereotypes for active members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Um, And this is just what I feel personally. I might be seen as close-minded, bigoted, judgmental, intolerant, blind, a sheep, overly conservative, or just not having ability to have critical thinking. And all of those are hurtful. (laughs) And anyway, negative stereotypes are mean. On the flip side, people might think, oh, I am an active member, therefore, I have this strong stereotype of like, I am the opposite of the faith transition person's negative. So I am very faithful. I am very believing in God. Sorry, you might hear my child trying to break into my room right now. (laughs) Or (laughs) like you can do the the opposite thing or be like, because I am an active member or because so-and-so down the street is an active member, they must have all the answers. And that's not the case either. You can't, you can't flip it. Or you can't say that, like, because this person has left the church, they must have a very good sense of critical thinking, or they must be very tolerant. That might not be the case either. Like, people are so complex, and labeling people is ignoring the complexity of each person and each individual. Right. Well, and I think to kind of tie that in, like, my view right now is that I don't need to check I think there's this like stereotype from the culture I don't know if it's just like where I grew up you know I don't know but that culture of you have to check all the boxes to be an active member you need to pay your tithing go to church pray read attend the temple be worthy for the temple and it's like if we truly you know believe in visitors welcome like it says on the sign then you don't need to check every single box to be a member of the church of jesus christ of latter-day saints in my opinion because for me that's where you know it's spun into a cycle of seeking for something that didn't exist of trying to be this absolute perfect person 
when in reality I was just failing over and over again because I couldn't uphold all of these boxes that I was giving myself and so I feel like I've really grasped onto the fact that there is not one way to be God's child Mm. and I don't believe there's one chosen path I believe God is making all of our paths back to him and that can be in multiple religions or ways of life I see yeah I think if we want our worship experience to be like you said all to be visitors welcome then the worship experience itself can't have people looking at others through labels because that'll prevent them from truly loving them and making them feel welcome you know when someone's labeling you you can kind of feel it yeah so what helps you genuinely break down a label and see the person behind the label that's kind of the the goal here you know we've talked about how it can affect bridge building we've talked about why we do it as people so how do we fix this do you have any thoughts on that yeah so I wrote like three main points that I was thinking about and my first plug is his name is Patrick Q Mason and he wrote a book called restoration God's call to the 21st century world and it is the most phenomenally written book. It's, I have it in audiobook. Um, and it's the most beautiful book I've ever read. Um, so I highly recommend. Um, have you heard of that one before? Have you read it? I don't think I've even heard of it. Say it again. Oh. So it's by Patrick Q. Mason. And it's called Restoration, God's Call to the 21st Century World. Yeah, I haven't heard of it. So it's, it's beautiful. So I highly recommend it. But he talked about, there's a quote that I'm kind of paraphrasing because it was an audio book. So, I, you know, <laughs> you can only write so fast and then you're like, crap, what did he say? But paraphrasing near the end, he says, Zion is not just for the saints. It is for the world, multilingual, multicultural and multi-faith. It is a state dedicated to peace. It is for all. And that just like, oh, I just feel like that sums up everything that I believe in my core of yeah it's it's just beautiful it's multilingual it's multicultural and it's multi-faith so I feel like as soon as Christ comes again and there's finally that state of real Christ peace it's gonna be the most beautiful thing because we're gonna realize that people we labeled that you know, we didn't think they were quote unquote good enough. They're standing right beside us and Mm -hmm. they are good enough. So that was one thing I'd been thinking of. And what, and also just remembering, like you said, that everyone has a story, everyone has a background and we're so beautifully complex and full of, you know, little trinkets of gold and experience. And I just, I love hearing people's stories and I love getting to know people because they people just inspire me like you inspire me with your podcast and like you know it's just little things where I'm like you I just I love the humanity and how so many people can come together and it's funny because I was thinking about it but I watched this I think it's called it's on Netflix and it's like blind love have you seen that on there I haven't 
okay so it's just like this super cheesy show and people date through walls so you don't actually see the other person yeah okay (laughs) yeah so I was I watched that a few months ago and I was just thinking about it and I was like you know I think life would be so much richer and genuine if we kind of closed our eyes like metaphorically to talk to people if we were viewing Mm -hmm. life and we could just talk to someone through a wall I think we'd be friends with a lot more people than we are now and I think that's kind of the key to becoming Christ-like because he knew and heard their stories metaphorically and literally before he looked at them and I think that that's something I've really clung to because I love the series, um, The Chosen. I think it's beautifully oh, written. Ellie, I was going to bring that up next too. <laughs> Keep talking about it. <laughs> it's beautiful. Like It just makes me cry all the time. Um, and so I believe what helps me genuinely see a person is my willingness to hear them out. Like I used to be afraid or even offended by anything against the church or its leaders. But now I just listen. I used to feel like I had to pick a side and always felt torn into like two separate people, mm-hmm. which in a way I still do because I'm still figuring stuff out. But I'm learning that agency is complicated because agency is personal and it's individualized just like we are. And so I think that's why we want boxes and we want labels because it is easier. But agency is not quote this or that and people are neither quote here or there if that makes sense I just had the thought of maybe we want to put boxes around ourselves if the boxes are affirming and we strive to be good enough and so I'm going to give myself this label and I'm going to hold everybody to the same standard but you're so right that there's so much diversity and there's so many different ways to be a good person and the, the book quote that you said that you described, I mm-hmm. loved it. <laughs> right? It really oh. resonated with my soul. I'm like, that is exactly what I believe. Like, Taylor, <laughs> you, you will love that book. Like, it is the most inspiring thing I have ever read. Yeah. Can you say it again? It was so good. Yeah. Paraphrasing, he says, Zion is not just for the saints. It is for the world. Multilingual, multicultural, and multi-faith. It is a state dedicated to peace. It is for all. I so believe that. I love it. And then just, you said so many good things. I'm trying to remember all of the things. Um, (laughs) Sorry, I'm a talker like you. (laughs) No, I'm I'm, like, it's hard to remember, but I, I definitely wanted to hear that quote again. It was so good. And then I think to relate it to my feelings about the chosen, what it made me think of actually was, I think it was in the most their most recent episode that is out and Christ is sitting with Matthew and he's looking down at all of his apostles and they're all fighting and they can't come to conclusions about the right way to do things. And Matthew is saying to Jesus like, man, they're sure fighting down there. And Jesus said, well, when you bring a revolutionary idea such as my gospel and it's for every single kind of person, you're going to have every single kind of approach in trying to live it. And that just makes sense to me. Like, because 
Christ is saying, I've made this for everybody to fit. Everybody is bringing their different experiences on and saying like, how can I, how can I do this my way? <laughs> um, and it, it doesn't have to be my way or your way. It just is because I believe Jesus literally has made this plan of his gospel to fit everyone. And so when we say it doesn't fit, if you, uh, if you, if you do it this way, it won't fit you. Like you are no longer part of who Jesus came to save. Like he actually didn't come for you. He only came for people that are doing it this way. Uh, no, that's very limiting to what our savior is capable of. He has expectations. Of course he has, he has things to teach us. We all have things to learn, but there's not a single person who uh, his gospel cannot reach and cannot help. Uh, and he, he said it so much better <laughs> in the show because they're all different. They're all trying different ways to do things. I don't think Jesus is wanting us to see each other like that, but more to be like, what can I learn from your approach? And how can Christ's gospel apply to you in this approach as well as it applies to me in this approach? Because guess what? It does. And that's why it's so cool. Exactly. And that's that's why I, I really, really believe that God makes all of our paths back to him and I think we will be surprised at what Zion in a state of peace looks like because we have put so many limitations on it and I think we're, we're going to be surprised we are going to be very surprised at who is standing next to us and it's yeah I think that's beautiful the way I'll have to I haven't watched the episodes I've been slacking so I'll have to catch up on them I like literally said that same thing to my mom the other day. Like, I think we'll be surprised at all the different types of people that we see standing beside us when Christ is with us or like even in heaven. And if we're weirded out to see somebody there, that's not the same as us, then like shame on us for thinking that we were better than them. So, yeah. Um, you said you're like, Oh, I've got like three different points written down to help you genuinely see a person behind a given label. And I don't want to ignore what those other points might've been. So did you have any other things to share? I kind of mushed my three things together, but I think just in general, I it can be so beautiful when we start to see people and just listen to them and really try to become more Christ-like and hear them and see them both metaphorically and literally. And just, you know, just remember that agency is here for a reason. I just think it's so important to remember that we were put here as individuals. We're not supposed to all fit in one mold. We are meant to be multi-faith, multicultural, multilingual. Like that is the soul, that is the purpose. And it's going to be beautiful when we finally see each other the way Christ does. And I can't wait for that day. Mm, that's so beautiful. I love that so much. I think we could probably wrap it up right there. But there was one thing that I just barely remembered. I'm like, oh, I should say this. <laughs> the show This Is Us does such a good job of oh. showing humanity. Yes. And I love the way that they'll take a very secondary character and give a little backstory and a lot of heart and a lot of personage and humanness to secondary characters that just makes the audience see them as a person and not just the doctor 
that delivered the babies, you know, not just the neighbor. I, I just love it because it's such a glimpse into how I want to be able to see everybody and how Christ oh. sees everybody. Amen. This Is Us is the most brilliant show. I, oh, I could talk hours about that show. It's so good. I think we can learn a lot from that show. It's so beautifully done. So amen to that. Oh, everyone watch This Is Us. <laughs> <laughs> Please do. It is beautiful. Okay. Any other thoughts? I think we're going to wrap it up. Thoughts about labeling and bridge building? No, I, I loved this and I loved talking to you. So I appreciate it. I am so glad we did this. You have been such a great support and I really appreciate you. So thank you for doing this with me so much. Oh, you are so welcome. I loved every second. Oh, hey y'all. Who's ready for some takeaways and tidbits with Taylor? Ellie was really wonderful. And just as I was listening to it again, I was noticing how great she was at saying, I believe before stating her beliefs and just very respectful and wonderful guests. Thank you, Ellie. You were awesome. I want to share with you a little bit my process of editing. I I go through and I edit so it sounds good. And then I go through and I listen for tidbits and takeaways and I try and clean it all up. And I noticed that I was really all over the place. <laughs> and the reason for that, well, at least I'm going to say the reason for that is because I'm experiencing a lot of pregnancy brain, mom brain, tiredness, distraction, and rustiness because it's been a minute and it's going to be even a hotter minute because I'm going to be having a baby soon. So if I don't submit a lot of episodes in the next month, two months, three months, it's because I'm trying to readjust to my new life as a mom of two. So be aware that there may be a delay in upcoming episodes, but I still love you guys. Anyway, let's get on with our tidbits and takeaways. There were there are some great things. Most of my tidbits and takeaways today are actually formatted as questions I want you guys to think about. And I am not giving you the answer because you have your own answer. But here's one. Does the depth of who we are get lost in lazy language, such as stereotypes? Or is it only found over time with meaningful connection and vulnerability? Okay, I said I wasn't going to give the answer, but I think it's probably some of both. I'll leave it to you to say what you think, though. Well, here's an actual tidbit. Not fitting in a box doesn't mean there's something wrong with you. However, I think some people fit into boxes very nicely, and we are comparing ourselves to those people, and then we think there's something wrong with us. Remember, comparison is the thief of joy. Okay, maybe we offer labels of ourselves as invitations or affirmations to get others to be interested in us for who we are. I thought that was interesting. Uh, why would we do that? I think in a sense it shows vulnerability and so in a way it's not not all labels are negative as we've mentioned but we can throw a label out there like dangling some bait like what do you think about me if you know this one thing will you take the bait will you take a chance on me it's being vulnerable it's beautiful so not all labels are bad we just need to be a little bit more vulnerable a little bit more trusting as we use them and share what we share with a conscious effort of knowing why we're sharing it and what we hope the outcome is. Oh, I really liked when Ellie said, there's not just one way to be God's child. That was awesome. There was one other point I wanted to share my thoughts on that I didn't really think of till I went back and listened again. And that was when Ellie was saying a lot of times 
the church culture makes you feel like you have to live by checklists to be considered active. And I think it's okay to have to measure up to standards. I don't, I don't want to knock down someone's beliefs of, well, there's expectations I need to live up to. I think it's important to say there are expectations, but that's between the individual and God. And it's not about your neighbor looking at you and labeling you as not being enough. So I'm not dissing on, there are checkboxes, there are expectations. I would diss on you pointing out someone's falling short of checkboxes and expectations because it's not your job. And that's where labeling comes in. So take that for what you will. Okay, back to a question for you to ponder. What would it mean for you to close your eyes metaphorically to talk to people? Ellie said, I think if we could metaphorically close our eyes, we'd make friends more easily than we do with our eyes open. So what would that look like for you? Would it help? What labels do you see in people that cause you to put up those walls and not become a friend? Whereas if you were metaphorically not seeing any of those things, there wouldn't be a wall. What labels make you have a wall? And how can you stop putting that wall up? All good questions. So please be pondering those things. And good luck with your lives and your labels. And know that you are all wonderful. It's been great. Bye. Thank you for listening. Building Bridges is brought to you by me, Taylor Niebergall, and the hardworking volunteers who co-host with me. The music was written and recorded by Bethany Sorensen. If you liked what you've heard, consider submitting a review or sharing it with others. To submit ideas, you can contact me at buildingbridges.taylor at gmail.com or check out our Facebook page, Building Bridges Podcast. Don't stop crashing.